we turn to our Weebles Wobble series. Um, it's one that, this series is one that flows realistically from the need for us to be courageous, to live out our verse for the year. Again, God gave us this verse of Romans 12, verses, I guess you could say, one through two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Now, I believe that God has given that for us as a church and as individuals. But the truth is, is that that takes courage to give our whole lives, everything that we are, as a living sacrifice to God. I don't know about you, but that's tough for me. I know that I need courage in those moments to stand up, to stand firm. And we've been going through it. We've been going through them. If you've missed anything, they're all up on the website. You can go listen again. And I'd encourage you to do that because I really believe that God is trying to encourage us, embolden us, prepare us and strengthen us that we could have courage to be the people he's asking us to be. Because being a Christian is active. Being a Christian is not just coming to church on a Sunday, having a good time, singing some songs that we may or may not like, hearing a sermon that we may or may not like, and having a cup of coffee or tea that we may or may not like. That is not, that is not life as a Christian. We know that. There's nothing new here. But sometimes it's easy to fall into that pattern. Sometimes it's easy to become the Christian that does this socially, but then the rest of our Christian walk is for me, myself, and I. It's my reading, my prayer. But God is saying, actually, it's about him. And so this series has been taking us through being able to, to stand firm in spiritual battle, stand, stand out above the crowd, to do things differently, to have courage to stand wherever God may lead. And to have courage to stand up in the crowd as well. But today I feel, I feel that for us to really be, give ourselves fully and wholly to God in sacrifice. We're called to stand in the gap. And so today we're, we're talking about having the courage to stand in that gap. Now, when I felt a calling into ministry, I was actually attending a, an Anglican church, St. Barnabas in Cambridge. And actually, the story probably starts before that, where, where a group of us started a ministry called Awakening for Students and Young Adults, and that's where it probably started, but I didn't quite identify it as that. It was at a soul net uh, retreat for, for youth workers that I'd gone to, uh, not because I was a youth worker per se at the time, but because I knew people that were. And at that point, I felt God say something and do something and I was attending St. Barnabas and somebody said to me, why don't you go study at London Bible College? They didn't know and I didn't know that that actually didn't exist anymore. It's now London School of Theology. But what they'd known it as was that. And that thought stuck in me. Why would you say that to me? Why would you tell me to go study? Who do you think I am? That's not me. I can't stand in that gap. That is not my place. But suddenly God started stirring it up in me and people started encouraging me and started seeing things in me and identifying things in me. And suddenly I had the question, well, am I called to ministry? I don't think that I am. No way, not me. I'm called to do a lot of things, but not ministry. I can organize the event. I can, I can sit on the sidelines. I can make 
the things happened. But no, not ministry, not me. Well, the Church of England have a process that if you believe you're called into ministry, you sit down with the vicar and they go through like a massive interview process. And if you get through the vicar, you then sit down with a, a, a representative for the, for the uh, bishop of the area, for the Bishop of Ely in our case. And if you get through that interview, which is a three-part interview, three separate days over three months, if you get through that, you go to another one. And then finally, if you get through that, you sit before the bishop and the bishop decides whether or not they see a calling on your life. And someone said to me, you should, you should explore. It's just exploratory. It's just prayerful. I'm like, I don't even think I'm called to study and you want me to do ministry. I'm like, what are you doing? So I go and I start this process. I sit down with the vicar. The vicar's like, oh no, definitely there's a calling on your life. I'm like, what are you talking about? But okay. And then I move up to the vocational advisor. That was a term. And I have three meetings over three months, three interviews over three months. And at the end of these three, this person is saying to me, absolutely, we see a calling of ministry in your life. And I'm like, what are you on about? And they push me to the second to last stage, and I'm kind of like, is this it, Lord? And then I get a phone call from a friend of mine, a former elder at Comberton Baptist Church, and he says, Adrian, listen, we're looking for a youth worker. We think you should come and apply for that job. And I'm sad there going, are you kidding me, God? What qualifications do I have to do ministry? You, like youth work, I was, I was a youth worker in one sense of, of a secular, in a secular charity. I could do that. But to talk about Jesus with young people, was that really a calling that God had given me? And when I prayed about it intensely, I was like, God, if I'm called to go to Comberton Baptist, if that's what you want of me, why this process through the Anglican Church? And he said, you didn't believe you could do it. You didn't believe that you were called. You didn't believe that I was preparing you to stand in that gap, so you needed to hear others say that to you. Oh, so to the disappointment or maybe excitement of the Church of England, I don't know. I said, thanks, but no thanks to the process. And I stepped into Comberton Baptist Church where there was no formal accreditation at that point. There wasn't even a minister at the church at that point to say, hey, there's a process for ministry. It was just come serve in the church. But then when I first, what I really quickly realized was I stepped in to fill a gap and a relatively big one left by their previous children's and youth worker. Charlotte Gould was an amazing children's and youth worker, and she had done so much in that place. And I stepped in going, I don't really know what I'm doing. God's called me here. He's affirmed it. People have prayed into it. So great, I'm here. And everybody around me was like, are you going to do it like Charlotte did? Charlotte did this. Charlotte did that. By the way, Charlotte. I'm like, okay, I get it. But God had called me to fill a gap. To step into a gap that was going amazingly. The church was known for these big holiday clubs, which Charlotte was a big part of. It was known for all these awesome things, Wickham, all sorts of things. And I was kind of going, ha ha, hey guys, I volunteered in church youth work, but I've never like run it. I've only just figured out that God's called me into ministry. How does that work? I was there five years. And you fast forward that in that process, I started studying a year in. I started studying at London School of Theology, not Bible College, or Bridal College, as it was nicknamed by many. I started studying there, and, and then we had a minister come in, and he said, oh, by the way, there's a process. There's a process for this. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I entered into that process. And again, there's interviews, and there's all sorts of, you got to go before your minister, and you got to go before the membership, and then you got to go before the regional team and other people. And then after that, you have to go to school, college. And if you're already in college, you have to go to residential selection. It's a big process, just like the Anglican. 
But all the way through that, they're like, yeah, we see ministry in your life. But it all started where God called me to stand in the gap of Charlotte Gould. I could have said no, but God calls us to stand in those gaps sometimes and to, to bear the comparison. And so today we're going to dive into um, Joshua 1. And again, I, I bring no apologies that we're reading the whole thing. It's not massive compared to some of the past ones I've read, has to be said. Um, but we're going to read all of Joshua 1. It's on page 216 of the Church Bibles. But again, some, some context maybe that we might need. Just as a reminder, Joshua 1 picks up immediately after the death of Moses. And Moses being the, the, a chosen one in the eyes of many, who God decides to appear before in, in the form of a burning bush, a, a bush that doesn't consume itself. Moses being the one that God says, hey, go and, and warn Pharaoh of all the plagues. And a lot of people were actually saying, is it Moses doing all these plagues? And he was like, no, it's God. But he was used as an instrument. It's Moses who's chosen to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. It's Moses that's chosen to raise a staff and the waters part. It's Moses, Moses that's chosen to, to pray and allow others to receive bread from heaven. It's Moses who's chosen to bring the law. And suddenly, he's dead. And there's a time of mourning. And then Joshua 1 picks up. And it says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all, um, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this Book of the law, depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you and will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, uh, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you his land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you um, east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. 
You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. Then they answered to Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he has with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. (coughs) How awesome is that? How awesome is that? There's so much to take from this, and I have limited time. But I'm going to pull out the things I feel that God has really wanted to highlight with us, and you can go deeper in small groups. But I think the first thing that God really wanted me to to highlight was the fact that God's plan and mission will continue, and his promises are true. So many could have turned around and said, the promise was to Moses, he's dead now. Oh, no! But God's promise is true. The promise to Moses, which was in Deuteronomy 2.24, is repeated almost verbatim in Joshua 1.4. It's a reminder of us, for us, of two things. One, we aren't indispensable. God's, God's plans will go on without us. Sometimes we step into spaces and go, this place needs me. Y'all need me. Without me, that might be your attitude towards church. That might be your attitude towards work. That might be your attitude towards some friendships. Unfortunately, it's an attitude that many in the world have. Just as we go having a conversation with somebody who had a really tough time at a job where actually they would keep their information to themselves, trying to make themselves more valued. They wouldn't share information to work together, to work better together. They said, no, no, no. As long as I have this information, I'm the valued one. You can't get rid of me now. But here we see that actually the first thing that we can see is when it's God's mission, God's plan, it'll go on with or without us. Now, in this case, Moses was very obedient and was an amazing servant of God, but the promise was not fulfilled in his time. But God will continue through other servants of the Lord. Again, the first one is that we're not indispensable, but the second is that his plan will go on. We have to be ready to go with it. When I stepped into Comerton Baptist Church, it was a difficult one because everybody was like, Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte. I was standing in this gap going, but what am I called to do? And there was a combination of things. The reality is, is the mission of God is going to continue in that place without Charlotte. Charlotte and her husband were actually at that point called to be missionaries for a while in New Zealand. So they weren't even around. And it was great in one sense. We got to pray with them and encourage them, but others were like, well, now what? But God's mission for those children and young people in that place continued. We just had to step into what he was doing. And you'll see that with ministers who've come through here with Tom. The the mission didn't stop when Tom was like, right, God's called me to move on. It doesn't stop there. It didn't stop with James, and it won't ever stop with me. If God ever calls me on, it's not me. It's not Tom. It's not, it's God. It's his mission. 
his vision that we are trying to step into and walk. I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but I'm going to share this. Last year was a really difficult year, and we, we've shared it, it was difficult. Ministry was hard last year. Life was hard last year. And there was a point last year where I started praying really fervently, God, am I meant to be at Gambling Baptist Church? Is this the place where you've called us to be? Lord, it is rough. It is difficult. There are some things that some are not aware of and some things that people are aware of, and it was rough, and it was, it was one of those times where you kind of go, oh. And at that time, I received four job offers. One of them in Jacksonville, Florida. Everything in me and the human was kind of going, I can go back to the States. They'll pay for travel. They'll pay for visas. I can go back to the States. I said, God, is that what you want me to do? Is that what I'm called to do? Am I called to leave? Are you done with me in this place? And we went to Naturally Supernatural, and Amanda at the back, sat at the back, rocking Josiah, baby Josiah, in the middle of worship, very poignantly felt God say, heard God say, you're released to go if you want to. But if you go, you're going to miss what I'm doing again when I get back to this church. And that for me was like this, this crazy thing of like, it's going to continue without me. It's going to go on without, I'm not the one bringing change in this place. I'm not the one that's doing, I'm, we're, God is doing stuff in this place. Amen to that. And that was a moment that, that God said, you can go, I'm doing stuff in Camelgay. You can choose to stay and be a part, or you can choose to leave, it's up to you. But if you leave, you're going to miss it. And that for us was a clear cut sign from God that, you know what? This is where we're called to be. Now, some of y'all might like that. Some of y'all might not. I don't know. But the truth is, it would have gone on without us. Because it's not about us. Even when we fill the gap, we're just filling a gap. But we have to stand in that gap. I could have easily gone to one of those other four places and stood in another gap and been like, but this is the gap he's called me to. This is where he's called me to stand. Where has he called you to stand? What gap is he asking you to stand in? But the truth is that we must have courage to step into the gap when God calls us to. We could have stepped out of the gap. We could have moved on. Joshua could have been like, hold on. It's Moses we're talking about here. That gap is massive. He's been our leader for how long now? How long? In Deuteronomy 34, we read, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. That is literally right at the end of Deuteronomy. You can imagine, we don't see the words of Joshua going, "Uh uh-uh, no way, God, not me. But I can imagine that when God says, for the record, you are now going to step up and you're going to lead the Israelites, he would have been like, what? Do you see the gap I have to step in? Do you see the shoes that Moses had? 
We read in Joshua 1 that he was Moses' assistant. He was an assistant. An assistant. Who now suddenly has the responsibility to lead. And he's looking, guarantees comparing himself to Moses. <laughs> because he's human. We compare each other, ourselves to others. And Joshua could have easily have in that moment been like, it's just too much. It's Moses we're talking about, God. I can't be that. And if you look at how Moses responded when God said to him, hey, Moses, you're going to be the one. Me? No, not me. I can't even speak. I, uh, no, I'm not the guy. How many of us feel so unqualified to step into where God has asked us to step? Yet how many of us are meant to step exactly where God has asked us to step? Joshua could have turned around and said, I'm not this leader. I'm the assistant. You tell me what to do and I'll go do it. I need somebody else above me. Appoint somebody else, Lord. He could have said that, but he doesn't. We see Joshua was blessed and filled by the Spirit. And otherwise, to be fair, he wouldn't have been able to, to, to do anything, really. But again, he, he steps into these shoes. He steps into that moment going, hold on a second. There's pressure. There's all sorts of stuff. But God, this is the gap you're asking me to stand in. So I'll stand in it. There's a, maybe a lack of confidence that you have when God is asking you to stand in your gap. Maybe God has already told you what gap you've got to stand in and you're already comparing yourself to somebody else. Maybe God has asked you to become part of the worship team and you're like, well, I don't play like that person. Maybe God has asked you to be part of the youth team and you're like, well, I'm just not youthful like them. You're already comparing yourself. You've already got a lack of confidence. But if God is asking you to step into that gap, he'll equip you. He'll use you. What gap is he asking you to step into? Joshua knew that everyone else, like everyone else that Moses had done and had been so accomplished, and he'd been used for amazing things, but then he's commanded by God. And I love this verse. Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be discouraged. Do not fear, for your God is with you wherever you go. I love it because he doesn't suggest it. God doesn't say, hey, Joshua, it'd be a good idea if right now you put your big boy pants on, you got a bit more courageous, and you stepped out for me. He doesn't suggest it. He says, hold on. I am calling you to step into that gap, and I've commanded you to be strong. I've commanded you to be courageous. So come on. How often do we go, yeah, but I'm, I'm not brave enough for that. He's commanded you. We love keeping all the other commandments, don't we? Well, some of them, the ones that are easy. We love trying to do things. We love pretending to love our neighbor, although we try really hard at that. We love all those things. Those are the nice ones. But then when we say God's commanded us to be strong and courageous, that's somebody else's job. That's Adrian's job. He's the pastor. He can do that. Oh, he's the evangelist over there. Oh, he can go be strong and courageous. That's not me. But it is. You're commanded to be strong and courageous in the gap that you are called to fill. Is that the same gap as me? Probably not. But there's a gap that God is calling you to step into, to stand in, to be strong and courageous in. And now we know in one sense that God in this particular verse, in Joshua 9, is very much speaking to Joshua about not being afraid of the enemies whose land he's about to take. We get that. Like, in the practical, God is saying, you're going to go take lands. And so don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous that they're fine. You can handle that battle. 
But I can promise you that Josh was hearing it not just for the physical battle, but also for that you are asking me to step into the shoes of Moses to lead these people. Are they going to listen to me? Are they going to think that I'm credible? I'm not Moses. Can I do this? And God is also saying to him in that situation, be strong and courageous. I've commanded you. And why? Why do you have to be strong and courageous? Because God is with you wherever you go. And that's the thing. We've been saying it, I think, every week in this series. Hey, for the record, God is with you as you stand in whatever he's called you in. As you stand up, you stand firm, you stand, whatever. God is with you. As you keep your eyes on him, he is with you. He will equip you. He will ready you and prepare you. And so when God says, be strong and courageous, he's saying, hey, if I'm with you, if you're letting me journey with you, if you're going to welcome me into your life and follow me and follow everything I'm calling you to, be strong and courageous because I'm God and I got this. And so actually, it's really easy to be strong and courageous when you know that God, the maker of the universe, the creator of all, is with you. It's easy to be strong. It's easy to be courageous when you go, you know what? This problem is nothing for God. This gap, which feels enormous to me, psh, nothing for God. And it's him I'm going with, so come on, God. You equip me. You speak into me. You guide me. Where are we going? What are we doing? Him being with us enables us to do the work of God to be the people of God, to stand in the gap that we're called to stand in. Now, that gap might be a real small one sometimes. Sometimes it might be a real big one. But whatever gap he's calling you to, I can promise you it is part of living a life, of living sacrifice. That's where we're starting. That's why we're here. We're not exploring standing in the gap and being strong and courageous just for fun. We're doing it because God's saying we, he wants us to give everything that we are, everything of, of, our, of ourselves to God. And that's going to require us having the strength and the courage to stand in the gaps he's calling us to, no matter how small it may be or how big it may be. And as we are obedient, we can stand in that gap with authority. We see at the end of Joshua 1, Joshua goes and speaks. He's like, all right, God, you're telling me to command him. You're telling me to go for it. All right, I'll go with it. And in verse 16, we see the, the people's response is they answered Joshua, whatever you've commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. In his obedience, in Joshua's obedience of standing in the gap that he was called to stand in, he had authority to speak in that place. If God had called somebody else, if, if God had called Mike randomly, there's a Mike suddenly in my, new, in my Old Testament, just go with me for a second. If, if God had called Mike to be the next person to lead the Israelites, and Joshua said, Mike, who's he? Forget him. And then he tried to take authority. It wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. The people would have turned to him and said, Joshua, who are you? Who do you think you are? God's asked Mike to lead us. It was his obedience. It was Joshua's obedience. 
That's what gave him authority. He didn't knock down a door and say, right, I'm in charge here. God called him. God spoke into his life and he said, okay, God, whatever you say, I'll stand in this gap. And if this gap means I'll speak, I will speak. And we know that God moved in power through Joshua as well in his leadership. We know that, that the, 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 the waters of the Jordan River were parted as Joshua commanded his people to do what God had asked. And they did it. And the, water, the river waters were parted. We know that the walls of Jericho fell as he was obedient and listened. I mean, imagine, again, further on, Joshua was told by God, right, I want you to march around the city walls and uh, I want to gather some people, play some music, and then do it again and do it again and do it again. And then on the last time, I'm going to do it a few times. What, what, are you, what are we doing marching around the walls, God? You called us into battle. I've prepared us for battle. Come on. But he doesn't say that, does he? Joshua doesn't argue with God. He says, okay. Not my way of doing it, but you want me to march around the walls? I will. All right. How many times, God? Okay, cool. Take note, people. This is what we're doing. And the walls of Jericho fall. There's there's authority. There's power of what happens as we are obedient to what God is asking us to do as we step into the gap that he's calling us to. There were miraculous, awesome things that God was doing. And there have been in this place. Gamlingay Baptist Church has seen awesome, miraculous things. We've seen people come to faith. We've seen people's knees healed. We've seen stuff happen. We've seen people kick addiction. God is doing miraculous, awesome things in this place. And that's not because of me or because of you. That's because of God. That's because as we gather and we keep our eyes on him and we're obedient to what he's asking us to do, he's going to do amazing stuff but it's out of our obedience. And to be obedient to God, we need to be strong and courageous to stand in that gap. So we're going a bit over, and I'm really sorry. We're going to end with one song. Mike, if you want to come up, I literally end with this. What gaps has God called you to stand in? I promise you there are some. Small ones, big ones, medium ones. What gaps is he asking you to step into? Are you being obedient and stepping in? Are you listening to what God's asking of you and going for it? Are you being strong and courageous as he's commanded you to? Or are you finding every excuse under the sun? Because I'll tell you, I tried to find every excuse under the sun. I tried to find every excuse under the sun when it was a call into ministry, when it was a call to Comberton Baptist. When it was a call to come to this place, when it was a call to stay, we'll find excuses. But are we being obedient? What gaps is God asking you to fill as a way of giving yourself fully and wholly in worship and sacrifice to him? It's about him. And will you have the courage to step in that gap no matter the circumstances? Let's pray.